This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico. I'm joined by my co-host, Sam. And today we're going to be discussing the book Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. The book is an attempt to expose the data bias in this world, which has been designed for men. And so the book talks about the difference between men and women and um, how systematic forgetting that women exist and women are different than men has turned the world into a much harder place for women to live in than men. And so the book uh, says that the main causes for, uh, we'll get into some of the main takeaways immediately, but the, 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 the book says that the main reason for these significant differences between men and women in the world are one, the female body, and that it's uh, different for men. Two, the fact that women do a significantly larger amount of unpaid care work than men. And three, that, well, one red thread in, in everything that happens between men and women is the sexual violence from men towards women. And so these main key points are coming back in all of the example that the author uh, brings up in, in her book. Mm. Um, so yeah, is um, something you would like to add, Sam? Yeah, and, and then, then there's just the general data gap, as in most data has been collected on men. And so the world is built on the data that is only about men. So like whether it's sort of how people get to work and their commute or if it's just how to like how safety systems are designed in cars, that they've all used men as the model like test dummy and things. And so you mm-hmm. just the world's been built for men or so mm-hmm. it's yeah. Yeah. It appears. And so one of the key problems is not only that people uh, do not realize that men and women live different lives a lot of the time when taking decisions, they one don't um, look at the difference between men and women, but two, the key difference is that there is no data gathering on women. And so mm. in designing the world and making decisions, policymakers just look over women because the data is not there. Before I read this book, I've had quite a lot of conversations with my girlfriend about the difference between men and women. And to be completely honest, I was uh, ignorant of the fact that women do have it a lot harder than men. And so I didn't realize uh, to what extent the world is, is built to make it easier for men um, and white men in particular. And so that was a real, real eye opener for me. And uh, I mean, I think this is a book that everyone should read. Like when men and women, and especially mm. men, because I think it's more eye-opening for men, men like ourselves than it is for, for most women who experience it on, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, it's quite annoying. And you kind of, you see this come up in a lot of like, oh, the best feminism books for women. And I'm like, well, <laughs> if it's any women reading about it, they just come across as like angry women complaining about yeah. their problems. Whereas like if men read about it, they go, oh shit. <laughs> like, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, some, some of the key takeaways. I, I can start with one which I found per- perplexing. So apparently, I always thought that men are get in more car accidents and hence um, have more of the injuries when it comes to road accidents. Because I know that men tend to drive more violently, more wildly, and so have more car accidents. And that's true that men have more car accidents. But surprisingly enough, women are injured 
more with each car accident. And the reason is not that they get into worse car accidents, but the reason is, and I only realized this quite late, is that if you look at the, the crash, crash test dummy that people use that you can see in the movies, it's always shaped like a little man or like a man. Yeah. And it's, it's, it never, it's never shaped like a woman. And so until very recently, and I think it's still the case in most countries um, in the world, Crash test dummies represent a 35 to, no, 25 to, let's say, 35-year-old male of average height and weight. And it doesn't take into account uh, different shapes of, of, of bodies from women, but also not the fact that their bones are not as strong. And so the safety standards are completely wrong in, in many cases. And so this, for me, is, is uh, I, was, I was so surprised by this, and it's, it's horrible that, that, that it's still the case right now. Mm. Yeah, as in, you just think about like a seatbelt. It's like, women have boobs. It's got to go in between them somehow. <laughs> and like, some women have bigger boobs. <laughs> and like, it's, so it's like, yeah, it's hard to put it in the right places. And some women get pregnant also. Like, what the hell do they do then? And that's like, mm-hmm. quite a just worrying thing. But yeah, it's sort of, it's really silly the way the standards were just initially to have like your safety test, like star rating and stuff. It just needed to be certified on a male dummy. And like, yeah, now a few countries have it for women as well, but it's, nowhere near the standard and there's quite a lot of cars that have their standard from before that happened so it looks like it's a five-star car and actually it's like a two-star car when you take if it you're a woman stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's a one-star car if you're a woman below uh, one meter fifty or something yeah like these things the one thing i think i didn't agree with i pretty much agree with everything else in this book was just like the thing about smartphones and like how they're not designed for women and i'm like you you, you have the screen of a smartphone that you choose and like I'm the average size of a woman, technically speaking, on height, and I don't have a giant smartphone because I didn't want a big one in my pocket. Like <laughs> I could have got a bigger one, and I sort of would have liked the screen space. But then I, was, I actually also thought I didn't want to be on my smartphone the whole time if it was too nice to have. So like I deliberately went for the smaller one. And you just choose the size that you want. It's not like that. Th- there are options. Sure, if Apple only made like the giant smartphone and. Like it might be a bit discriminatory of them for not catering to women, but they didn't force you to have it. I felt mm. so that was the only one that seemed a bit weird that she came across that like it was really badly done by like the world that we weren't making smartphones small enough, but like there are small smartphones. So mm-hmm. otherwise, could be. I think she's right on basically everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but and also maybe they were tested more on men. To be fair, so it's not like it's completely wrong, but yep. it's hard to know. I think the yeah, so many, many good things. I, like the daily life patterns, I found quite interesting because, like you said, like women do the most unpaid care work, and they have a different day structure to men. So men mm-hmm. kind of just like commute into work, work all day, and commute back, and so they have like a more fixed pattern. So the way public transport is set up, it caters for them better, uh, and they're also less likely to be taking public transport because they're more likely to be the sole use of the car and the family, whereas mm-hmm. women they might have to do the shopping. They might have to go and see their like other family members and care for them or and look after the kids. So they go around a lot of different places, which they often can't get to in one sort of single straight journey on the, on a bus that maybe goes in one direction. They have to like chain transport links a lot. And it's just like, it's a bit of a nightmare for these people that we haven't even really thought about. So like city planners plan for the wrong type of person because women spend more time on public transport and yet we don't plan for how they, they use it, mm-hmm. which was really kind of bonkers. Um, yeah. 
know, did you have any specific statistics on that or anything that super interested you further or just yeah, I mean, agreement? <laughs> one, one statistic that she said is that women do 75% of the care work, the unpaid care work. And I think the best way of thinking about that is the amount of leisure time on average that people have. Because for me, if you work a full day of work and you get home and you have to start cleaning, preparing food, it's very difficult, difficult to assess how much work you do and how much free time you have. So for me, I, the, the fact that men on average have about three to four hours of leisure time and women on average have about half an hour of leisure time each day, mm-hmm. I found that perplexing. And also, this is not a global, a global statistic. This is in, I don't know what country, but it's an African country. But I can very much imagine that it's like this in many, many of the households in the whole world. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me, it, that's just inherently unfair. I think men and women should have the same amount of leverage time, irrespective of what they're doing. So yeah. this is, I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly say from my own experiences that I know more women in households that you know, do more of the cleaning and more of the cooking and mm-hmm. general like useful stuff to keep things going. Mm-hmm. So, so it makes sense. And like another one from the daily life was just like women going to the toilet have so much more problems as in, I think everyone has noticed that like men don't have to queue to go to the toilet. And like often if you're at an event or something, there'll be like a massive queue for the women's mm-hmm. or if you go to a festival and stuff, like guys just like pee when they feel like going for a pee <laughs> and then the women like have this terrible problem. And you're like, yeah, actually that's, that must be awful. You have to constantly plan like when you're needing a pee and just try and not drink mm-hmm. so much and stuff. And we have such an easy life just going to the toilet, how we feel like when we want to kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's true. And and the problem there is that they say, okay, let's make things fair. When designing public bathrooms, men should have the same amount of floor space as women. Mm. So you design a public toilet 30 square meters, for example, 15 goes to men and 15 goes to women. But the thing is that more men can relieve themselves on the same amount of space using urinals than women can because women need cubicles. And so there, yeah. it would be way more fair to give the women yeah, have it, uh, more have units space. of like unit stations of relieving yourself <laughs> exactly, exactly but then it still yeah. takes women slightly longer because yeah. they have to like, so they, sh- they should actually have more even. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and there's just more of a public stigma against it as in like if you're a festival to make a man pees in a hedge it's not like the end of the world whereas you kind of see mm-hmm. a woman like squatting by a hedge you're like oh <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like true. it just sort of it's wrong that if we're so like against people doing that yeah i guess yeah absolutely I found one of the uh, most perplexing facts was when, it, when, they talked to, when she talked about women and medicine. And so basically a lot of medicine has been tested on humans. Well, actually all medicine that you take is tested on humans. But the problem is that most of it has only been tested on men. And mm. so even medicine that has an impact on your hormones could potentially only have been tested on men. And so there's, there's so many problems with that. One, we know that women's hormones are, are significantly different than men. And two, if you don't even test on women, you have no idea about the impact of different stages of the menstrual cycle of that or on that type or on the effects of that medicine. And so that I found, I found, I found crazy where they, I mean, yeah, the, the fact that women can take medicine that has only been uh, tested on men, I find... Um, Insane. Yeah, it really affects the way, well, how sound medical advice can be for women when it hasn't been properly tested on them. Like, mm-hmm. It's insane. So yeah, it ends up with women just being misdiagnosed and poorly treated mm-hmm. unless they have symptoms and 
issues to just conform to what it is that a man has. But obviously, mm-hmm. most of the time, women have different bodies. They have a lot more, like, completely different hormones going through their bodies, and mm-hmm. the structure is just quite different. What I found really interesting was the study on Viagra. It was first initially sort of found to be quite a useful drug for women with like period pains and things. And then when they did the studies on men, like obviously they had all these other things that came from it. And so they, they, they never actually finished the studies on women to see if it actually helped them with their problems. And you're like, there's this drug that could actually be massively useful. They never really mm-hmm. finished off researching. I'm not saying that women should go and take Viagra to help with their period pains, right? Because <laughs> it, it might help. There needs to be more research as we've covered mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah there's, there's just so many differences in women so like even like the way the heart works and the lung works as well as like the obvious differences um so yeah and apparently there could be quite a lot more women who are autistic but we haven't tested them properly and they it might show up differently because women are naturally usually better at expressing themselves and understanding others mm-hmm. compared to men so it mm-hmm. might just be more obvious that like a guy is autistic compared to a woman which it's kind of fascinating that maybe there's a lot of people with more problems that have just never been noticed or helped with. So essentially there's a lot of women who are dying or being misdiagnosed because of we really haven't tested properly, which is pretty insane. Yeah. I generally came out of the book appreciating women in my life. And Mm. um, honestly, if there's a woman at the same societal position as a man, I'm very much convinced that the man had an easier time getting there. Yeah. There's the whole, workplace section like like women's work there's so much more unpaid work and just sort of expectations and they have to prove themselves so much more to be doing like a job of status as such mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and not only that i mean in in the workplace one of the one of the more profound or no the, the more shocking examples was that the average temperature in workplaces has this, has been designed to be the perfect temperature for us uh 35 year old man that weighs 70 kilos Mm. and that average temperature is actually up to four degrees too cold for the average woman Mm. and so first i i didn't know that there was such a big difference in the the best temperature for men and women although i should have known because (laughs) when i take a shower right after hannah my girlfriend i have to put it down (laughs) so much because it's it's boiling so uh Mm. there is a significant difference there yeah there is a big difference I, I certainly had like a few women complain a lot more about like air conditioning and stuff and but i'm mm. usually with them like <laughs> i have a low body temperature i need it to be warmer <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway but it's just the whole culture as well and the whole gender pay gap as well which kind of needs addressing which you know there's been some progress but nowhere near enough and mm. it, it kind of it doesn't help the world which is hard to kind of quite understand but if you sort of don't pay women so fairly then like they don't have the same opportunities and then women like are just as smart if not smarter often than men so if they don't have the potential to deliver their best work because they're not being paid so well for it to go and do it like we're actually shutting ourselves off from having the the benefits of women doing all this great work they could be doing um which is sort of really silly on our part and like yeah women do actually sometimes have to have career breaks because they do have children and things and we just kind of expect that and it's just something they have to take on the chin it's like we really should facilitate them like having that but still being able to get back into work without it damaging their career which i know it's easy to say but like making it happen it is quite hard but we should still take it on because like Mm -hmm. it's useful (laughs) 
Yeah, what I found a very big takeaway was that the author brings up some examples of policies that benefited women, which resulted not only in being more fair towards women, which is in itself already um, a good reason to implement these policies, but they actually resulted in economic gains. Mm. To give you one, one silly, uh, almost you could call it example, is the, in, in Sweden, the removal of snow from the roads. So initially, the priorities of snow removal was they focused on the main roads first, then the secondary roads, and only after that, they would remove the snow from the, the sidewalks and the pavements. And so they ended up, because what they, what they noticed is that most of the accidents that happened during wintertime when it was snowy was because people slipped when they were walking on the pavements. Mm. Uh, and so what this Swedish city then tried is they start removing the ice and the snow from the pavements first and only afterwards went to the main uh, roads where cars drive and they saw a significant reduction in the costs of medicine provided to people falling and so in the end the the money uh, the amount of money saved was somewhere in the millions which yeah. was uh, completely blew my mind it was uh, so and, so and the reason surprising. that's in a feminism book is because most of the women are the ones on pavements walking around doing things like shopping and visiting yeah. their parents whereas men don't walk around on sidewalks as much during the day which is something i have started to notice like as someone who doesn't have a normal job and just kind of go around to different places at like 11 in the morning or in the afternoon like there are generally more women about mm-hmm. or like pensioners and stuff so during the day and mm-hmm. you're like yeah, yeah it's definitely it sort of makes sense um the one thing i found interesting was when they tried to make things equal like giving men and women like equal time off after pregnancy and stuff it and other things it kind of benefits the man more because if he has more leisure time to actually sort of do like research and like learn about things which is kind of just backtracking to trying to make things more equal in pay gap you have to kind of think about how you do it because if women still have like a bigger burden during their time off kind of thing mm-hmm. anyway i think the other really major thing that we haven't really mentioned about too much is like sexual violence and like the fact that women are much smaller than men on average, which just means they're working, walking around in a world where they are always going to be weaker. So I think it's like the average men is stronger than 95% of women or something ridiculous, mm-hmm. which is just like a huge difference. And then this, as well as just daily life, this also massively affects in like disaster situations where like there's just so much more violence against women in any kind of conflicts and things like this, which, mm-hmm. yeah, is a horrible thing to think about that exists in the world yeah and the, and the problem is not only the fact that more violence happens in certain situations uh, disasters is one example but refugee camps is another and even in germany there the, the author talks about stories where women are raped inside you know facilities where they they arrive at yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, and these stories and so the problem is not only that it happens but the problem is also that there's no way so it's 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 not being measured and not Almost nothing is done against it. And so for, for one other striking example, which I found a great idea, if you go to Google or any other mapping application, Google Maps, whatever I meant, if you say, okay, I want to go from point A to B, they are able to give you, you know, the fastest way, the scenic way, the more dynamic way, but there's not yet um, an application that tells you the safest way. And yeah. so I found that I, I, it never came into my mind that that could ever be a concern. But 
if you listen to the statistics that are, are being brought up by the author in the book, is it's it's crazy how much women have 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 been subjected to violence, sexual violence by by men that they, that they don't know. Makes me mm. angry. Yeah, and they say that like as a guy, you wouldn't know this because it doesn't happen so much in front. Of, so if a woman walking with a guy doesn't get it, a woman mm-hmm. by herself does. And so I've mm-hmm. never walked alone as a woman to really mm-hmm. know what it's like. And sure, like, you see the, the odd build would be a bit of a dick, like wolf whistling or something. And sometimes, but like, I, I barely notice it that much, but like it, there's so much hidden stuff that we don't realize, which I think mm-hmm. makes the, the whole big point about the book. There's just so much things, so many things going on that we haven't really noticed. And yeah, it certainly made me kind of think like, okay, how much stuff would I just be completely blind to that I would never have been able to see? And yeah, because like it's sort of when it first talks about it, it's like, I just don't think I've seen that many things happen. And they're like, oh, of course I haven't seen it because like, I wouldn't be there to, to watch it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I found that kind of scary. Yeah, it's, I think it's a book that everyone needs to read and it's especially policymakers need to keep these biases into account and make sure that they gather sex aggregated data enough sex aggregated data to make the right decisions that will benefit everyone and not only men. I think that's for me the key takeaway. And um, if I ever make decisions, I hope I'll be able to keep in mind the data gap that exists between men and women. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we just need to have a better culture of talking about it and collecting the right data, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me personally, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not yet in a position where I can make decisions that will impact this gender data gap. But... Mm. What I do notice is I, I started appreciating women in general more. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, my mom, my girlfriend, my sisters, it's not easy for them being, being a, a person in, in this kind of world. And like almost every, everything is, is against them. I'm, I'm actually, I'm very interested to understand why men are so scared of strong women. You know, for example, mm. Hillary Clinton was perceived as being cold and bitchy as, as all strong women are at some point in their lives, lives addressed. And it's usually, yeah, yeah. as in what was in like women, as in men can just disagree and like talk over women in meetings so much more easily. Whereas if a woman does that, she just comes across as like bitchy and like you don't like her as much. Whereas a man, it comes across as that like strong and assertive and useful and like, it's mm-hmm. like, that's fucked up. Um, yeah. help me understand sam why that is because i think there's there's some evolutionary reason to that where yeah so could it be that there's a correlation between being able to uh, stop people from talking and being disagreeable do you know the term disagreeable it's something that um, yeah agreeableness is one of the main five character traits yeah yeah so i think for women we use you kind of want women in your tribe that are more agreeable, whereas mm-hmm. men that are more commanding and sort of upright are more useful as a man because they'll like rule the tribe and go and kill things and stuff. But so it's like there's a different sort of appeal for that mm-hmm. trait in men or women mm-hmm. kind of thing. And what would be the evolutionary strategy from a point of from the point of view from a woman in being agreeable? Because I'm just wondering, like, would there be a re- like why are agreeable women more likely to pass on their genes? Because that, I um, think, at some point happened. I guess because women are more vulnerable, they need the man to look after them more, especially when they're like pregnant or they've got like a baby just there. They don't have time to be running around and getting all their resources themselves and like being disagreeable 
and like telling people what to do they they have to like be sort of subservient and like rely on the help of someone else so if they come across as agreeable and put in the extra time of like working on like cooking and all these other things it's more useful whereas if they come across as disagreeable and like they want things everything their way it's not so useful for them because if the man can yeah. just go off and he doesn't have the the reason to stick around mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it makes sense from that perspective yeah. yeah i fully agree i think indeed and and i think this comes back to the 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 care burden basically women they yeah. carry a child they are more dependent than a man who can just you know distribute his seed and then go mm. on in his way and and in that way can maximize his genes you know being being dispersed and, and continue down the or get, keep his genes in the gene pool basically i think yeah. it makes sense i think it's probably the fact that women carry babies and have to care for babies i think is what makes it well what, what is the cause for many of the the problems today yeah definitely so you're saying that you consider women more now after reading the book yeah a lot more it's sort of you know when you study like science or anything or whatever it is you kind of learn it gives you like a new filter to it to look at the world kind of thing and studying feminism something makes you kind of just notice all these differences like you know i've always noticed the differences in like women going to the toilet and thought oh it's nice to be a man but now i'm like I need to like report this to, to the people and make them put more women's toilets in here i don't need this many urinals like, they're all empty you're like it's just like quiet yeah. today and they're like the women like the men's was empty and then it's just like this massive queue for the women they're like there's no other men coming by the way guys if you want to just use the men's i don't care yeah. like yeah. <laughs> but they probably don't because of men maybe piss on the seat or something and it makes them it would rather use the women's anyway because it's probably cleaner and stuff and fully agree definitely just sort of attuned to noticing these things more and yeah. it's still hard with like the way things are built into language i think that's my hardest one it's trying to like mm. use things you know, like i used to start an email saying hey guys if i was talking to multiple people i'm like guys is it is it is a word for men <laughs> i need to <laughs> like hey team and this this kind of stuff and mm. it's just sort of like it is just the words i was built up saying like brought up saying even and mm. just need to change my actual use of language completely it's not because i was trying to be sexist or anything um yeah. which I mean, which helps the way you think because you you think in the words that you know and that is part of the problem is that you are literally being sexist by accident just because your brain has literally been like taught into this way, way of thinking mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. So yeah that's also one of the one of the points that the author makes is that it's not like all the 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 gender data gap is not caused by men and men do not want this per se it's not intentional mm. so it's 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 yeah, the it's way we're brought up is the way, yeah. Um, yeah and so she As doesn't in. blame men and she she blames well she says that it's it's not intentional and we just need to keep in mind that the gender data gap exists and do take that and try as much as we can to to remove it and eliminate it yeah as in like there can be women who lead companies who are still kind of sexist in the way they hire like not on purpose just because of it's just like how the hiring systems are set up kind of thing and in the same way like cops are more likely to shoot a, shoot a black man like back, like those studies even the, even if the cop was a black man himself it's just you just expect that if it's a black man doing a robbery he's probably more likely to be armed and stab you or something and it's just like a bias that's in everyone's head it's not because you're a guy that you're doing it so it it does it's just all of society is kind of thinks this way and it needs to be mm-hmm. changed mm-hmm. and it's just 
more women are starting to be open to this and like read about these things and it needs to be everyone that's reading about these things yeah agreed cool review um yep <laughs> ratings so for me i i really really um like the book and I th- I, i'd give it a nine out of ten in general it's it's very confronting um it's a good read it's well written it's well built up and i think it's a must read for everyone so I think it's, it's, it's been a great book and I'm, I'm very happy that I read it. Definitely. I would say similar. I, I would have liked to have seen a bit more on the solutions side. Mm. I appreciate it's hard, but I guess she has put like a huge amount of work into like just making people aware is a big part of mm-hmm. the solution. But I think there, were, there could have been some more steps for like, okay, yeah. if you are work, like after like the chapter about like the workplace problems, like a step-by-step process that you could hand to your boss to say, this is how to make it fair. And like, mm-hmm. I, think, I think there could have been a few more explanations around what to do next with the knowledge yeah. that you have. Because if I'm just in a meeting and I feel like something's maybe sexist, but I don't know how to like bring it up, I'm, you know, it's, it's harder to implement. Yeah, so. yeah you're right. You're right. And, and, and one point to add, it would have, I, found, I would have found, found it very interesting to know um, why some of these biases exist. So the, the thing we just discussed about trying mm. to think okay what would be the reason why uh, it is built this way society works this way and, and women are always once with the care burden and women can't be cold or in- disagreeable etc so it would be um interesting to know that yeah yeah i think there could have been a bit more yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of perspectives of how this came to be and then a bit more of how to change it rather it's more of like a data of this is the problem right now which mm-hmm. is still hugely enlightening but I guess on that sense, I, I think I'd give it an eight. Although I think in, t- in terms of how much, as in I feel of what it could be, like there's still quite a lot of room for how it could get better. But I guess I am more inclined to a nine in terms of just how much it opened my eyes and changed the way I think. I guess I should still give it a nine. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. okay, I'll go with nine, even, even though there's like some lots of cool things I'd like to put in it to make it like really, really good. But it's still like, a really important useful work that like, everyone should read right now so Absolutely. yes anyway it All was right. great good book it was great good book go read it don't do anything else <laughs> it's very Thank sad you. that it is great <laughs> like, i wish it... yeah it's true yeah it's true. Cool. i think uh yeah all right very good that uh, concludes this episode in the next episode we're going to be uh discussing finite and infinite games which is uh, an interesting book. I already started it. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, our discussion on it is going to be interesting to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it up. We'll see how smart we are or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. It's uh, not at all confusing. It's going to be yeah. great. All right. See you next week.